fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is an MSP Marketing Podcast Special. Happy New Year. Welcome to the first show of 2021. Last year was a crazy year and we are going to make sure that this year is an amazing one for your MSP. Because we're kicking off this year with a special episode. You see, last year I ran a competition on LinkedIn and it was a chance to win a one-to-one marketing consult with me. The winner was an MSP owner called Tom Fisher and he very graciously agreed that when we did the marketing consult, I could record the whole thing and play it out to you as part of this podcast special. In the next hour or so, you're going to discover so many ways to market your business. We're going to talk about a whole series of MSP marketing strategies. We're going to look at a series of tactics that you can use throughout the rest of this year. Now, let me introduce you now to Tom and let's get started with this marketing consult. So, Tom, congratulations on winning the competition. (laughs) What was your reaction when I contacted you to say that you'd won? I I was a little shocked. I I really just I'm one of those people that, you know, they say it like they just don't ever win anything. So (laughs) you can thank the random number generator because I forget which comment number you were, but we we, we ran a random number generator and it pitched your comment. So congratulations. What we're going to do is we're going to run through all of your marketing or as much as we can do in around about 30 minutes or so. So why don't you start by just telling us a bit about the business? Give us, if you like, the the basics. Yeah. So we're in um, Asheville, North Carolina, United States, small-ish town, about 100,000 people in the western part of the North Carolina mountains. We are just going on about, we'll be four years old at the beginning of uh, 21. So fairly new as far as the MSP stuff. I've been in IT pretty much my whole life. Decided about four years ago that I was at a point where I didn't want to work in corporate anymore. Wanted to go out and do my own thing. And if I was going to do it, I needed to do it quickly. And here we are four years in. That's great. We call that, by the way, the entrepreneurial seizure. Yeah. <laughs> if, you've, uh, if you've ever read a book called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, it's uh, he describes it very well. And that's a great book to read. I wish I had read it before I made the job. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Do you know what then? In which case, let me give you the modern day equivalent of that. Because that's, a, yeah. I think that's like a 1984 book, something yeah. like that. There's a, have you read Built to Sell by John Warrillow? You know what? I own it, and it's in my um, oh, it's in my okay. uh, it's in my queue. So I have got it. You've to it got to read it. So, so it's a it's a slightly more up to date version. I mean, the E Myth is an amazing book, anyway. But Built to Sell is is the kind of book I actually read that book after I'd sold my marketing business in 2016, and I wish I'd read that book before <laughs> I'd sold it. I think I'd have done you know even better after that deal. <laughs> so if you if you've enjoyed the E Myth, you'll love Built to Sell. It's sim- similar themes, but with a better ending in mind. Being one day you're going to sell the business, so you might as well build it to be sold rather than you know rush rush to sell it towards the end. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about your marketing. So um, what makes a a good client for you? So let me put it another way: if the phone rang tomorrow morning and it was a prospect and they'd just been on your website and they they said, "Look, we want to talk to someone." What does that prospect look like? Uh, how many users do they have? Whereabouts are they based? What kind of verticals are they in? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and that's changed a little bit since I started, but not a whole lot. I've, I've, I've tried to keep my target market pretty focused on, actually, I started out just doing um, insurance agencies. That's kind of the background I had, quickly ran out of those. And then I decided, you know, it was kind of a decision, do you, do you keep that, that very specific niche or do you just kind of branch out geographically? And I thought I would keep the niche and try to branch out geographically a little bit. And that didn't work out so well. So I got some clients that they're not terribly far away, but they're a little bit farther away than I care to have them. 
so I've kind of just kind of refocused that. I'm I'm trying to get into to more markets that are more local, I guess is a good way to say it. So, And what, what drives that, Tom, if you don't mind me asking? Because most MSPs I talk to would take on a client pretty much from anywhere because obviously most of it can be done remotely. So do you have a specific uh, modus operandi, a specific way of working that, that requires you to look after, look for local clients or do you just like having local clients? I just like having local clients. Um, you're, you're right, especially these days, you know, 99.9% of what you need to do remotely. I, I'm a little bit old school. I guess I do like having those, especially in the beginning, those, those face-to-face uh, interactions with the, the prospects. I like to be able to send someone from the company rather than, you know, someone I've outsourced to have those, those, those yeah. street on the feet. Uh, yeah. You don't want to sit in the car for four hours to go and see a client. Exactly. Essentially got it. Okay. I get that completely. So, um, so in terms of a good, a good client, then someone in your area, um, do you have minimum maximum users? A minimum of about five. I've got a few clients that are a little bit smaller than that, but they, they, they pretty much pay the same price as someone with five would be. Uh, I'd say the sweet spot would be, you know, right around the 15 to 20 mark for us. Our largest is about 40. Okay. And what kind of what kind of clients do you love? So do you like uh, B2B? Do you like retail, consumer businesses, hospitality? Or, or is it literally a case of, of whoever's interested? Um, I'll talk to anyone once, but it's, most of it's B2B. I try to stay out of retail mainly because... Uh, well, there is no retail left anymore. <laughs> exactly. <There's, laughs> um, and, you know, the service industry, things that are, are potentially needing support outside of a, a nine to five um, support window because we don't do 24 hour support currently. Um, so, you know, I try not to put people in a position where I wouldn't be able to help them outside of our regular business hours. Sure, sure. So so obviously B2B then fits very nicely within that. Uh, uh, they, they tend to do the same hours as, as you're doing. Um, and you're, I would imagine you're also not really interested in clients, like manufacturing clients, engineering firms who would have perhaps some legacy systems that they might want you to look after or, or complicated things. I'm guessing you just want nice, straightforward Microsoft 365, you know, fairly standard setup. And I guess you're also looking for clients who are willing to respect you. So they listen to you and they pretty much do what it is that you ask them to do. A hundred percent. And I feel like, um, I feel like I've done a good job at weeding out the ones that haven't pretty early on. You know, I'll do break fix for them. Um, but as far as like the managed stuff, I definitely want, I want a company that sees the value in the IT services that we provide for them. Sure. And that Absolutely. was actually going to be my next question was, do do you do any break fix or is it just purely managed services? I'm trying to do less and less. We're probably about uh, 25%. As, a, as an aside, because uh, I've worked with loads of MSPs that have a an element of break fix and it's a it's a kind of a drug because obviously you know work turns up and you know you're going to get money from it instantly and that that has a certain um, wonder to it but it's it's like all drugs it's not particularly healthy and i think long term tom if you can you know as, as we're going into a new year now if you can say to yourself right do you know what i'm not taking on any more break fix clients so break fix work that turns up from previous clients absolutely i'll do that because it is quite hard to transition those people into into managed, uh, in, you know, onto a contract. But you can almost say to yourself, right, I draw the line. 1st of January, 2021, that's it. We're not doing any more break fix for new clients. And part of that is is almost an emotional and a, and a mental thing for you of making a decision. You know, I, I want to grow the recurring revenues in this business because that's ultimately what's going to grow the business and, and, you know, help me achieve my goals, which is what I'm going to ask you about in a second. 
Um, but it's, uh, I mean, does that does that feel like a comfortable thing to do, or would that be too scary at this stage? You know, it it's a little scary, but it's not scary for kind of how you put it. Uh, it's not the instant money where I. That's not the the allure to me to take on break fix work. Um, normally, in my mind, I'm looking at it like I'm going to do break fix for them now and then hopefully convert them into something managed and recurring down the road. Although, although I haven't been <laughs> successful in that very well either. Do you know what many, many other MSPs and, and, and you know, of the, of the hundreds and hundreds of people listening to this will be um, shaking their heads saying they had exactly the same thing. You know, converting break fix clients to managed service clients is really difficult. It can be done, but you tend to find that typically the, the vast majority don't switch over. And there could be a number of reasons for that. It could be down to the fact that break fix is actually good value for money. That's, that's how they see it. Now, you and I know you're charging you know, however many hundred dollars an hour for the work you do. But from their point of view, some people just don't like getting into subscriptions. They don't like getting into contracts. And they perceive that um, they're saving money. Because, of course, and I don't mean this offensively to, to your end clients, but business owners and managers are a bit stupid. And they don't realize that actually they should have someone doing a whole load of proactive work so they don't get into problems. You know, they, they shouldn't be sitting there with, with operating systems that haven't been updated for, for six months. When I say that they're stupid, I don't mean they're actually stupid. I mean, they just don't know this stuff. They don't realize the benefits of, of having, you know, all of their services being managed for them. The other aspect to it is whether or not they trust your business and see your specific business as a managed services firm. If someone's first relationship, their first transaction with you is they pay you some money and you do something, then it's a, you know, it's a different kind of business to a managed services company. But there we go. Anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a by the by. So what, um, what kind of marketing are you doing right now to win new clients? As in right now, right this minute, I'm, I'm pretty much empty on the marketing. Um, 2020 has been a little... <laughs> a little slow on the marketing. Like, uh, a nice way of putting it. Prior to that, the majority of the marketing we were doing was um, direct mail. Love direct mail. So, what kind of stuff were you sending out? Um, well, and it's and it's kind of weird. So, what would happen is I would I would do a direct mail. I would get a little busy with you know fielding the results from that. What happened? And it probably happened. Probably started and stopped the cycle probably three or four times, do the mailing, get some results from that, get busy from the results from that. And then such a long period of time would go by because the first thing I was sending out was kind of an introduction letter. So it's not the introduction letter, get the responses, pick up the clients, onboard them, all that. And then so much time would kind of go between those two things. I'd be like, well, the people that I sent it to you know, three months ago, they might not remember. So I would send out the intro, the intro letter again. You know, I'd update my list a little bit. But I, I did that stop and start about four times. But I was happy with the results each time. Well, this actually has a name. It's called Boom and Bust Marketing. <laughs> and and you, you literally have, have, have just described it perfectly where you, do, you, you haven't got enough work on. So you do, some, you do some marketing. And there's so much work that comes in from that that you stop doing the marketing. And then what happens again is, as you exactly as you said, a couple of months down the line, you 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 think, oh, I haven't, I haven't got quite got enough work. So yeah, that's that's classic boom and bust. So well, I'm glad there's a term for it. <laughs> the, the, the good news is, Tom, that that means it's normal. What you're doing is normal, and you're doing what what thousands of other business owners, not just in our world but outside our world, do. It's a really common thing. Um, there's something we're going to come back to later on and explore, which is you did some direct mail marketing. And it worked. And we're going to come back to that because the challenge for me in helping you 
is I've got to help you find a marketing strategy which you can do consistently, but which is possible for a one-man band such as yourself to do consistently. Because I, you know, I could talk about this stuff for about 62 hours nonstop. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. You know, this is, this is my passion. This isn't just what I, I do to make money. I, I literally love this. Um, but I also know that you have to work in, in the real world sometimes. Right. And, you know, had you, had you been um, an MSP with 15 staff and, you know, you were doing a million bucks a year and you were personally spending 20 hours a week growing the business, we would be having a completely different conversation. Right. But you're not. It's you. You, you. You've presumably got a little bit of help, and and you know I don't know if you if you do any kind of outsourcing uh, or or anything. You know, use anything like Continuum or anything like that. But I appreciate there's a tiny, tiny amount of your time that's available each day to do marketing. So so we've we've got to work within that. If I was in your area and I was looking for a new IT support company, why would I pick you? Personal service. Uh, I, I really do think that's why a lot of people have started out with me. Um, being a one-man band definitely has its drawbacks, but um, one of the benefits of it is my clients call. They're talking to me. You know, they need something. They're talking to me. There's not. <laughs> they know me. <laughs> yeah. So there's no. There's no. You don't use any outsourced help desk or, or anything like that. Not currently. No. Tom, what are your what are your goals for life, the business? What do you want to What do you want to do? And, and, and let me set some context with that. Some people just want to make a living, and and the, you know, the, four years ago you were working for someone else, and now you're doing your own thing. So I, I suppose you've you've kind of ticked that box. But are you happy just doing that? For how how old are you, Tom? I am forty eight. Forty eight. Okay. Yep. Um. So it's, it's a it's a good age. I'm forty six. It's a, it's. A, I like to think late forties is a, is a good age. I agree. Um. Um. Obviously, we're tired all the time, but we we <laughs> just tend to ignore that, don't we? And pretend exactly. that, that that's just it's just this week. It's just <laughs> and every week. Um. It's just COVID. That's all it is. It's yeah. just getting tired. Um. So uh, you know, are you looking to just carry on as you are? You're happy doing what you do. You love the. I know you love the work because you you've you've chosen to set up a business doing it, but you just like to make a, perhaps a bit more money or just just have you know have have a bit more time or are you looking to build this and get some staff on board and you know turn it into and I'm going to use a phrase and I don't want you to think it's meant offensively because it's not but to turn it into a I'm putting it in inverted commas proper business so a proper business being where Tom can take a week off and the business carries on or are you looking to build an empire you know do you want the 15 20 staff and and you you want something that's very sellable which which of these scenarios sort of best fits what you want to do I want to grow like you said to a point where it is a proper business and I can go away for you know one two hey three weeks and worry minimally about you know are the customers being taken care of is the business running are there people in place to do everything that needs to be done and um as the business grows hopefully i can be cliche but i would definitely like working on the business and the less i can work in the business down the road the better perfect okay so that that's really good context for me because that helps me to advise you in the best way i possibly can yeah Talk to me about your website. Now, I haven't actually looked at your website, and obviously, this is an audio uh, thing. Okay, <laughs> that, well, that, that in itself tells me everything I need to know. So, um, is the website? Uh, can I hazard a guess that it's it's quite techy? It's got hasn't got any pictures of you. It doesn't talk about uh, you and humans and people, but it talks about technology, and it's 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 a bit out of date, and you're a bit embarrassed by it. Yeah, pretty much all those things. Um, and it was kind of the one question I had coming into uh, this talk with you was, you know, where does the website fit in? You know, is it silly to do all this other marketing 
where it's going to lead people to the website and they're going to see it and be totally turned off. And See, that's actually a really good question. And we, we're going to tackle that. Okay, um, great. Because yes, you essentially you have to get your fundamentals in place first. I think the, the, the right approach for you, Tom, is and this is what we're going to talk about for the rest of, of this session. First of all, we, we're going to talk about resourcing because I think uh, as a one-man band, and particularly a one-man band who, who has previously fallen into the boom and bust pattern, mm-hmm. um, I, I want you to look at how you're going to resource your marketing. And partly that's going to be a little bit about you, partly that's going to be a little bit about getting some help. And we're not talking about hiring someone, we're, as, as in you know taking on an actual proper member of staff. We're mm-hmm. talking about using the amazing world of um, the outsourcing out there that, that can help you. And there's a whole network of people that can help you. And we'll come on to that in a second. Then we're going to look at getting the basics right. So things like your websites, your LinkedIn. Um, I'm going to ask you a little bit about your uh, your sort of your fundamentals, like any kind of CRM or anything like that. There's not going to be a huge number of things for you to do, but definitely some things to get right. And then what I think we're going to do is we're going to look at what capacity you've got for new clients, and we'll see if we can put together um, some marketing which you can do rhythmically. Rhythmic marketing is where you're doing something preferably on a weekly basis. And weekly is always better than monthly because when something's done on a weekly, it's just what you do. Every Monday morning, you do that task. I'm sure you do this with your tech work. You know, you must, uh, I don't know, Monday, Tuesday mornings, you, there must be a day where you proactively run some tests or you run some checks or you, you know, I'm not a tech, I don't know what you do, but you, you get the idea. There, there must be, yeah, maybe it's every day, maybe it's one day a week and, and you do that rhythmically and you very rarely miss it because it's a rhythmic thing. And the very best marketing is also rhythmic. If your goal is to build this into a, and again, let's put it in inverted commas, a proper business, a business that allows you to take a holiday, the first thing I think you've, you've, we've got to do, and this is, this is almost about getting the marketing mindset right, is you've got to stop thinking of yourself as a one-man band. And you've got to stop describing the business as a one-man band business. Now, there is nothing wrong with being a one-man band at all. I work with loads. I mean, I work with MSPs. I work with sort of multi-million turnovers down to one-man bands and everything in between. And, and there's a lot of advantages to end clients of working with one-man bands. There's lots of advantages to the one-man bands. You know, you, have a, you don't have people to look after, team, you know, teams to look after, but there are lots of downsides as well. Right. From, a, from a marketing point of view, if your sweet spot was that, I think you said 20, 30 user business, they are very much less likely to hire a one-man band because their perception will be you can't cope. Now, you and I know that you can, you can look after 20, 30 users just as easily as you can two or three users. Obviously, if they have a major ransomware attack and you know, the, the entire place gets encrypted, then you, you, you reach out and you get some help because it, it becomes physically you know, too much for one person to cope with. Right. But that's a very rare exception for that to happen. You've got to start to imagine that you've already got the staff that you're going to hire in the future. You could almost go as far as, and this might sound a bit weird, but go with me on this. You might almost find pictures of two or three people on the internet and you print them off and you think of them as your staff. So you might think, well, do you know what? My next hire or my first hire might be a first line technician. So I'm going to find you know, a spotty 20-year-old geeky looking kid on the internet. I'm going to print him off and I'm going to attach him to the wall and I'll give him a name. And he, I'm, I'm going to think of him as a, as a member of the team. And it's, I haven't actually hired him yet, but I will be hiring him at some point. 
And then I will probably hire a second line tech at some point because I'm guessing you you'll really should be you know, focusing on the third line work and, and obviously growing the business. So again, you might do a second second line tech. Then at some point, you might hire a, an admin person. And of course, none of these hires need to be full time. They could be part time. But you might have a you know a lady in her fifties, say, who's got tons of experience, and she's you know she comes in and she does two three hours a day just to mop up the admin, make sure all the invoicing is done properly, all of that kind of stuff. So you might find again a picture of her and print her off. And can you see the the if you like the the mental advantages of doing something like this? Absolutely. And that's kind of half the reason why, um, why I have an office. It kind of just gives me that, that mindset of, of being something a little bit, I don't want to say bigger than I am, but I, I guess that's it. You're almost setting out your ambition with, with, with having that office, which is, right. which is wonderful. I'll tell you something I, I did. So I, I started my first business in 2005, which was a marketing company. And uh, I, was, I worked from my bedroom, literally my spare bedroom for the first year. And nearly killed myself. We just, you know, made loads of money, but it was just too much work. But right from the get-go, I um, actually this is a bit weird. I created characters, and so if if a client emailed uh, and said, "Can I have a copy of the invoice?" then a character called Natalie would email back with the invoice. Natalie didn't exist. There was no Natalie. She was me. Uh, so I had a, a series of different email addresses. But what I didn't want was I didn't want my clients thinking that I was doing everything. I never lied to them. I never ever said, you know, there's loads of people on the team. But if they emailed in and it was a functional thing, then Natalie got back to them. And um, it, I, I, the first business I started was it was actually, we did PR, so we did public relations. So when, for example, we got some results, a different persona, was it Caroline, I think I used to say, would send them over their results. So again, they would think it was a member of the team. The main reason I did that, uh, apart from trying to look bigger than we actually were, was also I wanted to maintain my expert status. Because the expert, the person at the top, uh, who, who they should rely upon as the strategist, who they should rely upon as the number one knowledge source in that business, If it, it's, it's like if they see you on the floor in their office, and they can see your 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 sort of ass crack while you're plugging in a network cable. You lose that if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's like if you if if you are fixing if you're changing their password, then then you lose the ability to sell them a cybersecurity package next month. And and so so I think obviously at the moment it is just you, but there's going to come a point where it's not just you. So I think I think. Whether you actually go as extreme as having personas actually doing emailing, which is a bit weird, or just just have it in your mind to imagine that you've got a team, it, this is starting to change the way you think about the business, and then you can start to change the way that you do your marketing. So you know your website, which obviously will need to be revamped and and looked at and have some attention paid to it. It talks about Tom and the team. You never introduce the team, but you say Tom and the team, and people will make their own emotional leap. They just assume you have a team, which then automatically opens up these bigger clients to you. And as much as it's, you know, you can look after a three three user business as, as much as, as well as a 30 user business, there's more profit in the 30 user business. Because you know, there's a, there's a certain burden, isn't there, of, of of just every single client has a certain burden on you, and there's there's a finite amount of uh, clients that you can have. Um, which, which obviously you know, reduces the, the number of users that you can take on as well. Exactly. So the, the other thing that, that goes with that is, um, is, is starting to actually add members to your team straight away. 
I want to introduce you to a concept. You may have heard me talk about this on the podcast. It's a concept called DOA. So if you're watching CSI Miami and you know one of the, one of the cops says, uh, oh, the, the, he was DOA, what, what do they traditionally mean? Dead on arrival. Exactly. And as business owners, especially 48-year-old business owners, um, that's what we'll be if we continue to try to do everything in the business ourselves. So I, I, uh, I renamed DOA as Delegate, Outsource, Automate. And one, your mission for the next two to three years, Tom, is to take everything in the business which you're currently doing, which really someone else somewhere could do for you, which, by the way, is basically 80% of everything you're doing now. All the first line work, much of the second line work, all the admin, um, you know, much of the marketing, uh, and, and a lot of the faffing—the faffing that just has to happen each day to make you know for the business to to do what the business does. Someone else somewhere can do that for you, and it might be uh, a member of your team who are printed up and, and posted on your wall. It might be someone outsourced. You can either delegate those jobs or you can outsource them. Or in many ways, you can automate them. And we have some amazing technology these days, which will allow things like your PSA to talk to you know, technology like your CRM or your social media scheduling tool or whatsoever. There's so much automation that can be done. And you guys are, are the best in the world at, at using APIs and putting them together. Let's talk about resourcing. Okay. So when when you do when you were doing your marketing and and you were you were doing that sort of boom and bust marketing and you were sending direct mails out, what who who was doing that? Was it physically you or were you sort of roping your family in to help? I, I roped family in because um, one of the things I was if I if I showed you one of my mailings, you'd see exactly who I modeled it after. But um, it involves a red envelope and handwriting on the addresses. So I wrote my daughter who has the most amazing handwriting I've ever seen in my life. I don't know where she got it from. Okay. And I know, I know exactly the, the kind of um, marketing you're talking about um, <laughs> and it's good. It's good stuff. Um, okay. So, so you, you got your daughter to, to help you and um, the advantage of that obviously is you, uh, you got the beautiful writing on the, on the envelopes, but also you personally didn't have to do all of that work. So I think the trick for you as, as you are going forward now is to start to pull together a collection of people who can help you with various bits and bobs. Let's take, for example, the website. Okay. Let's ass- I assume you're, you're not a, a, a confident writer. So you may have written your website, but perhaps you look at it and you, you wish someone else had written it for you. Would that be a fair thing to say? I at least wish that someone told me what to write. I don't, I'm a okay. pretty confident writer, but it's just a matter of knowing what to write, not so much okay. the writing itself. Okay. Well, well, we'll see if we can address that in a second. But many MSPs, especially one-man bands, design their own websites because it's computers. And of course, it's not. It's, it's marketing. It just mm-hmm. happens to be done with a computer, but everything's done with a computer these days. Um, it makes more sense to find someone out there who can design your website for you rather than you. Do you have a, is it a WordPress site? No, it's, it's worse. It's, um, Joomla or Weebly. That's what it is. Weebly. Oh, dear. Yeah. Weebly. Dear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I told okay. you it was, it okay. was bad. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. A, a Weebly website is better than no website at all. I suppose. If you look at it that way, but you just don't have the levels of control that you have in, oh, in no. something like WordPress. Yeah. But if you, let's say, for example, you decided, do you know what? I need a brand new site uh, from scratch. I'm going to go with WordPress or whatsoever. There, there are literally 100,000 people out there who will build your site. Some of them will charge you $50,000. Some of them will charge you $50. You know, there, there are various levels uh, uh, for everything that you need to be done. There's a, there's a kid in college who's 16 who could build you a perfectly good website, and he'll be delighted to take $100 off you to do so. Because all, all he wants to do in the evenings is build websites anyway. 
And being paid by a local business to build their website is literally the best thing in the world for him. Now, there are lots of downsides to hiring a college kid for $100 to do that, which is, you know, you, you, you're not going to get great customer service and uh, there's going to be a certain amount of faffing and, you know, call of duty is also uh, one of his favorite passions. Um, but, but at every level, for every little thing that needs to be done, there's someone out there and, and you know, you can hire very, very good experts and pay a lot of money, or if, if cash is tight, you can. It's surprising how, when you work your network, that there's always someone there to do a job. From your daughter addressing envelopes to a, you know a local back to work mum who will make some phone calls for you for a couple of hours a day now and again. Your your mindset as as you start to set up this marketing stuff, I, I want you to as as much as possible to ask yourself: Do I, Tom, really need to do this, or can I find someone to do it for me? And this is a great way of thinking. It really is. Because what you start to do is you start to put in place a team of people. You know, if you um, want someone, if, if, you know, let's say something like the website and you wanted someone just to put some content on the website for you every week, we'll, we'll come on to, to whether or not you would want to do something like that. The answer is yes. <laughs> I, you have a choice of, do I, can I find a couple of hours a week to source some content and write it? Or can I find five minutes a week to brief a local journalism student over the phone about the content I want or brief someone on fiverr.com or upwork.com or peopleperhour.com and you know brief someone somewhere and, and get them to write some content for me and then get you know a, 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 again another 17 18 year old to actually put the content onto the website for me etc 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 so the trick is to not let yourself be held back and not let the business's marketing be held back because of the lack of your own personal time. Because actually, in, this, in the spirit of you should only do what only you can do, and there are a number of things that only Tom Fisher can do. And right now, those things are all the technical things. Those things are the, you know, the servicing of the customers, keeping the clients happy. You can hire other people to do all of the, all of the other stuff for you. And yes, there's still a burden of making sure they do it, Although typically, the more you pay, the, the, the easier it gets to get jobs done. Mm -hmm. But I've mentioned those networks like Fiverr, like Upwork. There's, say, there's an entire bunch of kids sat in college right now uh, or sat at home with if they can't go to college who are happy to do stuff like that for, for just dollars. There's, you know, there, are, there are tons of back-to-work mums. How many people have been fired in your area in the last six months because of COVID? Loads of people. How many people have lost their jobs? How many people have, design, have, have decided just to work from home? How many people in your area have decided they're going to be virtual assistants? The number of virtual assistants, which is where someone sits, sits at home and works for you on an hourly basis, it's almost like break fix for, for, for doing stuff. Um, um, the number of virtual assistants has exploded since COVID came out on the scene because you can work from home while your kids are upstairs doing whatever they're doing. And, you know, you can do lots and lots of stuff for other people on a per hour basis. I've got three virtual assistants now, which makes me sound greedy. But we, you know, we, we rather than taking on full-time staff, we've got three or more full-time staff, we've got three virtual assistants doing a whole plethora of jobs. And it's amazing. I've got one who's really good at financial stuff, so she does that. I've got another one who's great at, uh, at customer support and dealing with tickets because you know she supports our clients and does our first line work for us. And we've got a third one who reads all my emails for me, organizes my life. Uh, I, you know, I, I must admit she helped me buy Christmas presents, and, and you know that's 
Nice. I'm sort of using it, yeah, like almost like a person, like a personal assistant. Yeah. Um, but but they did things that I didn't I didn't want to do, and it allowed me to do more things that I do want to do, which is in my business is looking after my clients and creating content and that kind of stuff. So in terms of resourcing, I, you know, as we go through this, um, I, I want you at, at each stage to think, cool, I can find someone to do this. And remember, we're not hiring people. We're not giving out contracts and jobs. You're literally hiring people by the hour. At any stage, I am no more than 30 days away from losing every single person who works with me or for me. Um, you know, the, the exception being my staff, because I'm in the UK and the staff are a hell of a lot more protected than the employer in the UK. Right. But the vast majority of people that work with me do so on a freelance basis or they do so you know, through, through an agency or whatsoever. And at any point, I'm 30 days away from getting rid of all of them. And that's really, that sounds really brutal. It makes me sound like a right gear to work for. But the, the, re- the reality of me doing that is, is if it all went wrong tomorrow, I can, I can lose my overheads like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not expecting it to all go wrong tomorrow, but I, I like that. And I think it keeps everyone on their toes as well. And you know what? If I started over again tomorrow, well, I did. I started over again a few years ago. I sold a business, had a great exit, and I started this business. And I decided right from the start, I don't want an office. I don't want staff sitting, doing nothing all day. I'm going to hire great people on a, you know, on, 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 and I'm going to pay them well. These guys all get paid well, uh, but I'm going to do so as and when we, we need things. And they can all, we can all work remotely and we can, we can all do stuff remotely because that's a very very efficient way of doing it and i think it's you know it means it meant i could add resources as i needed resources it's a good idea i didn't have to have you know it's and you couldn't have done this 20 years ago 20 years ago this this physically wasn't possible but the one mass well one of the many advantages of, of lockdown and covid is that suddenly there's so much more resource available you know there are so many more people out there who can do stuff like this Let's talk about the fundamentals. There are some, at least two basic things that you must have in place. You're absolutely right that the website needs to be as good as you can make it. And the other thing that you must have in place is LinkedIn. So we'll come back to LinkedIn in a second. Let's talk about the basics on your website. You, you Now, whether you do it in 21 or in 2022, at some point, you, you need to transition away from Weebly. And Weebly, Weebly is actually not that bad. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of kidding. Wix.com, Weebly, there are loads of others. I think Squarespace has a website builder as well. Mm-hmm. These are absolutely fine for your first couple of websites, but there comes a point where you just need a higher level of control and Word, WordPress is the answer. You know, something like four out of five websites are powered through WordPress. Uh, you can either go around the route of WordPress.com, which is where they host it for you, or you just get your own, you know, your own WordPress, your own um, hosting. I use some, somebody called Pressable, uh, Pressable.com for hosting our websites. We've got a lot of websites with fairly major traffic. I mean, that might be overkill for a, for a small site, but with WordPress, you just have a massive level of control, and uh, it allows you to be limited by your imagination and not limited by technology. So, but that's that's a longer term thing. I don't think it would be a game ending thing to stick with your weekly website. But what you need to do is make sure that that website is talking to people and it's it's a person-to-person conversation. So ordinary business owners and managers who don't know anything about technology, they don't buy from IT support companies, they buy from people. And so we're going to have to use you, Tom. We need to get you onto that website if you're not already on there. So a number of different approaches. Um, if I was working with you and advising you, I'd say, look, Tom, put yourself on the homepage, have a, re- have a professional photo of yourself uh, taken if you don't have one, 
Um, and, you know, even during COVID, professional photographers work because it's uh, you, you can socially distance quite well when you're taking a photo. You just put a big lens on and get a nice photo taken. Make sure you've got a really iron shirt that day. Shave, you know, do your hair, all of that kind of stuff. Get, get, get several different variations of the same photo. Plop a, plop a photo on the homepage of you. And uh, you, you have a, a really good headline that catches their attention. Mm-hmm. Here's why more and more Asheville businesses are choosing us for their IT support. And uh, that, that's a great headline. Uh, what would be even better version of that headline would be, here's why 312 people rely on us every day to run their business in Asheville, or 312 Asheville people rely on us every day to run their business. And that, that would require your user number, which I'm not going to ask you to, to tell us. But if you've got a, a user number that's you know over a couple of hundred, then I would, mm-hmm. I would go with that specific route. Because okay. typically, the more specific you are, the, the more believable it is. But mm-hmm. if actually your user count is, is, is not particularly, you, know, you don't think it's really anything to shout about, then just go with that general. Here's why more and more Asheville businesses trust us for their IT support every day. And then you have that photo review underneath that headline. And then you... And this is really unusual, what I'm about to suggest, but this works really well because it's really engaging. You essentially write a sales letter to your future client on the homepage of your website. So it would say, hi, I'm Tom, and I'm the founder of Company Name. Every week, we have conversations with businesses in Asheville about looking after their IT support. Nothing I've said, by the way, so far is untrue. Um, they will interpret this as you're bringing on new clients all the time, but right. uh, so that's a, that's a perfectly acceptable thing to say. Uh, and you can you can say um, if if you're if this sounds like your business, we should talk. And then you might list some bullet points, and uh, the bullet points are written from their point of view, not from your point of view. So we don't want to talk about technology. Uh, we don't want to talk about um, um, things that don't interest them. But uh, you so you might say if if this sounds like your business, we should talk. Um, bullet points. You're really frustrated uh, with your computers and your IT. Uh, bullet points. Your team are often moaning and complaining about the technology. Uh, bullet points. You're sick of having to work around your technology rather than the technology working around you. Dash. It's too difficult to collaborate and communicate. Can you see what we're trying to do here? We're, yes. What we're doing is we're taking the most common complaints that people have about their IT. It's too slow, it holds us back, we can't work properly, and we're putting those complaints right up there at the top uh, on, of your web page. Because we want people to come in and instantly they get that headline, their eyes flick to look at you, they see that you're a nice guy, their eyes flick to look at the text, and instantly you're talking about the pain they have right now. Now, if they don't have that kind of pain, they're going to go, they're just gonna hit the back button and go elsewhere, but that's fine. Because the kind of people that have got that pain are then going to be engaged with that instantly. They're going to start to read more. They'll engage more. And then what I would do, Tom, is I would I would write that letter to them and say, um, if this sounds if if this describes any of the problems in your business, you're not alone. In fact, hundreds and hundreds of businesses around here have exactly the same problem every day. And yet they shouldn't have. These are some of the easiest problems to fix in technology. Slow computers can be made fast really easily. We have the best communication and collaborative tools in 2021 than we've ever had available. Or even working around COVID shouldn't be a reason to hold your business back anymore. There's, there's, you know, there are so many, so many ways to make it easy for you and your team to work from home. How do I know this? Because my team and I work with some of the best businesses in Asheville, open brackets, ask us to tell you about some of our clients sometime. 
they really are great, close brackets. I'm starting to write this webpage now. It's yeah, all right. Keep going. You, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can carry on that letter then from, from there. And, and, and by the way, Tom, and this is, a, this is an offer I meant to make to you at the beginning, and I will repeat it at the end. Uh, when we're done recording here, I'm going to give you my private email address, and, and you, you please use me for support. So if, for example, you go and write this, and you get halfway through that webpage and you get stuck, email me, and I'll, I'll write the rest of it for you and just, just email you back. Oh, so I want to make sure you actually action this stuff, not, not just stuff that we, that we talk about. Appreciate it. My reward for this is seeing you improving your marketing and then getting a, getting a client off the back of it. That's, a, that's an amazing reward for something like that to happen. So you basically, you, could, you just keep talking to them. You talk about their business. You talk about how you know it's 2021. Uh, we, we're in COVID. Business is tough right now. We've all got to work just that little bit harder and just that little bit smarter. There's no room for lazy IT setups. There's no room for you know slow computers there's no room for working from home where you have to you know work around problems all the time then you start to talk about other it sport companies and you say because most people switch you know you're not going to be most people's first it sport right not at the level of business that you want you you want two man bands yeah you're their first it sport company and in the nicest possible way you don't want to be it's like you never want to be someone's first boyfriend, you know? Mm-hmm. You, 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 we are harking back in the 30 odd, 30 odd years now, but you don't want to be someone's first IT support company. You don't want, that's why I said to you at the beginning, you, you, you probably want to drop break fix for new clients. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be their break fix people. You want to be their second or their third. So when your break fix clients feel that they have outgrown you, they will move to a bigger, better, or they perceive to be a bigger, better MSP because they think they have outgrown you. And that's what you want to be. You want to sort of position yourself up up the market a little bit, that you are the people to switch to. So you might say, sure, you've probably got an IT support company looking after you, but how well are they actually looking after you? Um, you know, do you feel like you're? Uh, uh, do you feel like you're a valued client, and they're on your problems immediately? Are they actually proactively working to stop you having problems in the first place? Open brackets. I love having brackets in sentences. <laughs> Open brackets. We fix most most of the problems with our clients' computers before they even realise there was a problem. Close bracket. It's okay to throw in little asides like that when you're talking about other people's uh, businesses. Um, are you fed up with a different person picking up the phone every time you you call your IT support company? Um, maybe you use someone who's out of town, which seemed like a great idea at the first, you know, when you first hired them. But actually, when for those rare occasions they do need to visit your office, they've got a four-hour drive. Because what we what we essentially we're doing, Tom, is we're we're picking out all the reasons that someone would pick you, and then we're putting those in that web in that web page from their point of view. Gotcha. So you're Asheville, they're Asheville. That's a big thing. You're a nice guy. They're going to buy from you anyway. They will make. They will buy you or not buy you based on whether or not they like you. All of your clients that have have picked you in the last four years liked you. That's why they picked you. They didn't they, because they can't assess at a cognitive level whether or not your 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 business is any good at what it does. They simply can't do that because the only people that could do that are other IT people. Right. And even then, that would you know that, that would be a tricky thing to call. So, um, so, so they and you can be proud of this. They like you. They've picked you. So we've got to get more of you in front of more people, and they will. They you know more people will pick you. Um, so you, you you talk about IT support companies. You then uh, throw in uh, at the end of that um, that kind of letter to clients. You um, throw in uh, a call to action. 
the very best call to so a call to action is the thing you want them to do mm-hmm. and the very best call to action these days is your live calendar embedded into the website in fact you'd have it two or three times because this this could be quite a long page and one of the things we know about websites is the further down the page a piece of information is the less likely someone is to actually get there and um, you know so things like your call to action you have that up at the top and you'd have it halfway down the page and you'd have it at the bottom of the page so live calendar is really easy. I assume you use Microsoft 365 because most MSPs do. Yep. There's something called Microsoft Bookings, uh, which is which is in, included. It obviously links straight into your calendar, uh, and you can just put that onto the web page. Now, is it's a bit clunky. It's a classic Microsoft thing that they've they've kind of got 80% of the way there, and they haven't quite finished it. Um, so if you wanted the the market leader, which is beautiful, but obviously there's a cost to that, it's Calendly.com. I was going to ask, all, yeah, if that was uh, the... Yeah, I mean, Calendly is beautiful. The, 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 the biggest difference is, is how much control you have over what it looks like in your website. Microsoft Bookings is lots of extraneous information you don't need and, and you can't take it out. But, you know, just to get started, Bookings gets you started. So the other thing that goes into that web page is lots of social proof. Social proof are testimonials, case studies, reviews. So basically where your future clients can see what your existing clients think. And the quickest and simplest way to get social proof is just to ask your clients. Literally send them an email and say, guys, coming to the end of the year, I've loved working with you again this year. Thank you so much once again for your custom. Um, we're revamping the website in, in early in the new year um, and I need, some, I need some testimonials because as we all know, we're more influenced by people like us. You know, you're a great business owner. I, uh, and it doesn't matter whether they're high profile or not, but you're, you're a business owner. Can I ask a favor, please? Would you mind just hitting reply and, and telling us what you think uh, about our service? If you ask 10 clients, Half of them will do that, and I, I'm glad you're saying this because I've I've got a bunch, um, and I oh, actually perfect. include them. I include like a one pager with maybe a half a dozen snippets of what they've said, like kind of little quotes. Well, um, you you yeah, you have a testi- have a testimonials page, but also put put the testimonials on every page. So uh, certainly on that home page, you'd, you'd break up that letter with every now and again there'd be a box. And it would be, do you know what would be really cool, Tom, is a screenshot of the email that they sent you. Um, That looks more raw. You almost want your testimonials, your social proof, to look more real Mm -hmm. and more raw than not slick. Because you could just copy the words in and put, you know, Bob Bob Smith of so-and-so company said this. Or you could um, actually do a screenshot of the email. And a screenshot of literally them saying, hi, Tom, yeah, no problem. Here's a testimonial for you. Blah, 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 blah. Because everyone knows you've asked for the testimonial. So there's no harm in, you know, in displaying, right. <laughs> displaying them replying to an email saying, yeah, here's, here's the testimonial. And if, if, you, if you can leave on their name and leave on their company name, obviously blank out any contact details, anything like that. Um, that. That works really, really well. I have lots of Google reviews. We have about 30 positive Google reviews because I ask my clients for them. They don't just happen. You know, I solicit them. And um, we, the vast majority of five star and thank you for, to my clients for doing that. And we screenshot those Google reviews. And, and I say, you know, I put them across all of my websites and, and, um, and I always attribute where they've come from. So I'll put a little link back, back to my Google reviews section and say from Google reviews, but they look amazing because it's, it's clearly a Google review and everyone knows you, you can't edit a Google review. You have a right of reply, but you can't edit it. Mm-hmm. So that almost makes that more powerful than, than a testimonial. Great. So these are, those are the basic ingredients of your website. And, okay. and I, I know you really talked about your homepage there. You would, 
The other page you definitely want to have is your About Us page because people typically, the vast majority of your traffic is on your homepage and or your About Us page. They want to know about you. It just goes to prove that people buy from people. So your About Us page, you can kind of do a version of the homepage, but you can go a little bit more into your story. And I would I would tell the story that, that you told us at the beginning. Literally, the you worked in IT for 20 years. You love IT. You jump out of bed every day. But then for, uh, back in uh, whenever it was, 2016, you had an entrepreneurial seizure and you realized you wanted to start your own business. And you could, you could talk about how you talked it over with your family and you could, you know, and it was a big risk, but you wanted to do it. You could talk about how you won your first client in 90 days. Uh, you could even, you know, you could have a photo of your bedroom where you start, you know, your spare bedroom where you started the business. And then you could have a photo of the office today. Now, off, photos of offices don't don't make people buy, but it shows a journey. And you could say, you know, today we've got a team based at our office in so-and-so building. And again, that's, that's I know that's slightly untruthful, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's showing that the business is progressing and the business is changing. Um, you could even, because p- people do like a bit of, of nostalgia, you could even put a photo of yourself as an 18-year-old you know, on, on your ZX81 or whatever it was you had back then, <laughs> if, if, if you can find something, just to show that you are a, um, a tech guy through and through. Because even though they don't understand technology, they still want to hire an expert. And nothing beats the IT guy who's been an, in IT since he was 18 or 21 or whatever age. That, that, that can, can go really well with it. There's lots and lots and lots of detail to, to, to get right, but those are the basic building blocks. Focus on, on people, make sure there's a photo of you, uh, social proof uh, in the form of testimonials, and, and a very clear call to action. And, uh, and, and that will, whatever the state of your website right now, that will just make such a difference. So when you do start driving traffic to, pe- to, to the website, people aren't going to be put off because the website is, it's the shop window. And, you know, we've all seen shops that fail and often you, you can tell which shops are going to fail in a street a couple of years before they actually fail because the, the, the window starts to get dirty, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. the sign doesn't get painted and the, 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 you, the, you can see, you see it in generally in businesses where the owner has stopped taking care of the business right. and you're, 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 it's indicative of a business that's going to fail and your website is exactly the same. So if you're not happy with it, and, and this, you know, this applies to everyone listening to this podcast, if you're not happy with it, you've got to fix the website. It is literally the most basic marketing tool you have. And if it's crap and unengaging, then, then it, you are driving uh, potential clients away. The second thing to do is your LinkedIn. The basics on LinkedIn, you can use the same photo on the website. You, you might be able to get away with pasting essentially the homepage story into LinkedIn. I can't remember off the top of my head how, how many, um, you know, what, what limitation there is. Or you could do a, a truncated version of it, a shortened down version of it. But on LinkedIn, again, and this should be your own personal profile. We, we don't do business profiles on LinkedIn. We do personal profiles because if you look at LinkedIn's feed, you see um, peop- updates from people, updates from people, advert. People, people, advert, people, business, you know, business update, people, 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 advert. So LinkedIn, which is essentially they, they've copied the algorithms of Facebook or they've attempted to. Mm. Um, again, Microsoft modus operandi is, is look at the market leader and, and copy the market leader, which is actually a pretty good business model if you think of it. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've copied how, how they think Facebook works and LinkedIn works in a very similar way to Facebook algorithmically. I'm sure they're completely different algorithms. But essentially, it's, with LinkedIn, just like Facebook, it's all about getting in the feed. And the way to get in the feed is to do updates and things from people. So you want to work on your own personal profile uh, and, and just make, it, make, make yourself warm and friendly. 
because ultimately LinkedIn is a great tool to reach people. Okay, that's one of the basics as well. There's some basic um, tools that you need. Do you have a CRM at the moment, a customer relationship manager? Not really. We're getting onboarded with um, ConnectWise right now. So oh, okay. So Connect ConnectWise obviously is, is a PSA. Yeah. Um, and and you you wouldn't use um, ConnectWise or, or Autotask or any of the other PSAs as uh, your CRM. The, the difference between the two is um, uh, something like Mailchimp, for example, Mailchimp.com or MailerLite, L-I-T-E.com. Um, those are the kind of CRMs that are perfect for you. And in fact, both of those have that they're, they're free up to a certain level. There's certainly more than enough to get you going for what we're about to talk about. Um, okay. But but yeah, completely different to your PSA. So you you use ConnectWise to to essentially service and look after your existing clients. Um, the CRM is purely for prospects. It's a completely separate tool. Can you use APIs to get them to talk to each other? Yes. Would you? No. It's, that's, a, that's a faffing job. And I've, I've worked with MSPs that have done that. There's very little benefit. That was my um, question, yeah, was if yeah, it was even worth... Well, if you, if, you were const- if you were winning five new clients a week, um, you could automate moving, uh, moving data from Mail- MailChimp into ConnectWise, but you won't, you, you'll win one client a month, and that's all you need. You don't need more than one client a month. So I would just go, go get MailChimp. In fact, just, just go straight to MailChimp. It's a great bit of kit. It really is, and it's, it's not going to cost you anything for, for some time. The reason you have a CRM is to store your prospects. So um, we, before we start doing marketing, we need a database of, of somewhere to keep them. Now, you may already have a, an Excel sheet or you know, so, something somewhere. For um, direct mail that we do, I've got about, it's about 100, 120. Okay. And, and, and w- where is that list stored? Is that just in an Excel? It's in Excel. In Excel, okay. Yeah. So you can import that Excel into uh, MailChimp. The, the main reason to do that is what, what we want to do, Tom, is take, we, we're going to use that direct mail that you used to use. And... Um, uh, and, and and adapt it and, and update it and, and all of those kind of things. But also, if we can, we're going to start emailing people. And the reason to um, use uh, Mailchimp is just to keep track of. Well, it's an easy way to send them emails, but you can keep track of what they've opened, what they've clicked on, and it just it also makes it easy for you to add uh, add people into that list. So I would I would go, go get Mailchimp, in, import that Excel in there. Do you have email addresses with those with those hundred people? I have a lot of email addresses, and I guess that was one of my concerns. Was you know I've I've been direct mailing these people, and there's no real laws against at least in the states um, <laughs> direct mailing people without their permission. I've kind of been a little nervous to hit a lot of these people up via email because I don't have you know prior permission. So so um, what I'm about to say will make um, um, in in the EU and in the UK there's a law called GDPR. General Data Protection Racket or something mm-hmm. like that, and there's. And I know in Canada you actually get shot. Um, <laughs> that you literally get shot by the, the special data police if you email someone without uh, their written permission, signed in blood. I'm only half kidding. It, it's quite a quite a law there. Um, but um, in the in the good old US, screw it. Just email them. Okay. Uh, no. So um, I'm being I'm being flippant, but and I know you've got like things like the Can Spam Act and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So all of these laws, these data privacy laws, are aimed at stopping the scumbags who send out 10 million emails a day, mm-hmm. pushing Viagra or whatever mm-hmm. whatever the, the modern Viagra email is. I'm a bit out of date with my spam emails. Um, they're not they're not aimed at stopping a nice normal business owner in a nice town from emailing some people. So you get, let's say you pop those 100 people into MailChimp and you send them an email. First of all, only about 20% are going to open. That's that's the first thing because, you know, open rates, anything over 20% you're doing well these days. 
Okay. Uh, it's just it's just the way of email marketing. Email marketing is epic and amazing. It's also just getting harder and harder and harder. But that's not a reason not to do it. Two or three will unsubscribe. One of them will hit the spam button. Um, one of them might even reply to you and say something rude. It doesn't <laughs> matter. It re- it really doesn't matter because you know a lot of that depends on what you put in that first email. And the very best kind of content to send out is educational content anyway. If you just email them all the time, buy from me, buy, 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 then of course they're going to get annoyed and they're going to unsubscribe. Whereas if you actually teach them things and uh, educate them about things they didn't know, some of them will appreciate that. So yeah, just bang bang those in. The other thing, Tom, is um, you will have um, within your email probably – four years worth of other prospects that you haven't done anything with yet. Absolutely. So if you think back to every single conversation you've had with anyone in the last four years, so it could be someone you've met at a like a BNI meeting or a networking meeting of some kind. It could be you know that that person that rang in once because they were looking for someone to replace the screen on their iPad, and you didn't you don't do that, but you you had a little chat to them, and it turns out that they own a little uh, print shop somewhere, and and you know and you just you just wrote down some notes. Essentially, look everything, every single conversation you've ever had, every single one of those they go in your database too. This is the data equivalent of putting your hand down the back of the sofa. <laughs> and uh, the back of the couch and, and finding dollars, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's, 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 or finding finding coins. This is this is the data equivalent. A- every single MSP that I've recommended this to is especially those that say, "Oh no, we haven't got anything like that." They're all already in the database. They're really not. Um, this is the beauty of having something like Mailchimp: is it, it forces you to centralize all of your data in one place. Um, and just just go and grab those people. I mean, there's only going to be you know there's only going to be twenty, thirty, forty of them. But again, look, we've even if, if there were fifty, we've just we've just you know grown your database by fifty percent. Right. Um, and again, some of them will get angry, and some of them will shout and scream, and it doesn't matter. You you worry about the clients who shout and scream. You don't worry about the prospects who shout and scream. So that first email, how would you, what would you, I mean? Yeah, it's a really good question. The worst thing you could do is say, hi, we're going to start sending you emails. <laughs> in an ideal world, and you're going to have to work up to this because th- this is this is that resourcing thing again. Mm-hmm. But in an ideal world, you would have a, a nice weekly rhythmic marketing system where you do, you and your outsourced people do some stuff every week. So for example, um, one one job every week is to send an email out, is to create a bit of content for your website and then to send an email out. The content is educational. And we'll talk in a second about how to, um, how to actually create that because that's actually kind of easy without having to write it yourself. Um, but that very, very first time you send them an email, you just send them out a piece of content, almost as if you've been emailing them for years. Okay. Now that will feel weird, and you will you will you will want to you will find yourself trying to type the keys to, to type and ah uh, you know hey we've started an email newsletter or or whatsoever. I mean you you could put some message on saying we've talked in the past. I suppose you could do something like that, or you could just email them. I mean you could do a split test. A, a split test is where you you try two different things at the same time. So you could half the database you could just send it to them, and the other half you could say hey we had a conversation a few years ago. I honestly don't, and I could be wrong on this because a lot of this isn't about what I think, it's about what people actually do, but I honestly don't think it makes a difference. So I would just send them that email. And those that are going to unsubscribe will unsubscribe. In fact, in the first three or four weeks, um, a, a number of them will unsubscribe. And then after that, it'll just settle down and it'll, it'll be fine. And we're not talking thousands here, so MailChimp shouldn't shut you down if you do get some unsubscriptions. They hate spammers. 
And, yeah. uh, you know, if, if you get like 10% unsubscribe or hit the spam button, you've got a problem and, and, and they're, they're going to shut you down, which isn't the end of the world because you can still get your data out. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not, they're not going to do that. You're not going to get 10% sending out an educational email. So let's talk about the rhythm then. So every, every week, um, if, if we were to look at jobs to do, and again, you've got to work up to this. Number one job is to create a piece of content for the website. So you need a blog on your website. Um, you need to add content onto it because Google, which obviously controls how much search traffic is getting to your website, uh, from an organic point of view, Google likes to see your website getting bigger. It likes to see original content uh, going onto your website. So you and, and, and if you can generate a piece of original content, you've also then got something to email out. And uh, what we want to do is we want to put that original content on your website and uh, then email people so they have to go on your website to view the content. And strategically, that's a pretty smart thing to do because if we're driving people back to your website all the time, a, a lot of getting the right prospect is about getting the timing right. So people only buy when they're ready to buy. Right. And that could be tomorrow. It could be three months down the line. It could be 2027. We don't know. So what we're doing is, is we're trying to build a relationship with people over time. And then down the line, at the point that's ready for them, they will go for the call to action and they will book an appointment, you know, a 10, 10 15 minute Zoom call with you or whatsoever. So this is why you, you the very best strategy is to drive traffic to your site. Now, you, you can buy um, content. For example, there's a service called the MSP Marketing Edge, which is just brilliant <laughs> at mspmarketingedge.com. Um, I, I can't remember who owns that. Some, some, some guy loves the sound of his own voice, I think. Um, but the, the problem with something like that, because it's only $129 per month, uh, and it's only sold to one MSP per area. But the problem with a service like that is you can't put the content from that on your website. Because we've got, uh, that, that's my service, we've got like 330-odd clients. If 330 MSPs put that content on their website, Google's going to have an aneurysm. And it's, you know, because it hates duplicate content. And it, right. and it would, it would um, eventually, that would have a negative effect on some of those MSPs. So, what, I mean, you could take that content and get it rewritten. Um, that, uh, some of my clients do do that. They get it rewritten because it's about the order of the words. It's not about what the actual subject matter is. It's about the order of the words. So you could do something like that. Here's a way that anyone can generate original content. Find a writer. Uh, as I say, a journalism, a recent journalism graduate. There, there are no jobs for journalists at the moment. So recent journalist grads are, are great. Um, people on Fiverr, there are literally a billion writers out there. Some okay. of them are rubbish, but you you know, you know just have to kind of kiss a few frogs till you find a good one. Mm-hmm. Here's how you generate really easy content. You jump on the phone for five minutes, you decide what you want to talk about, and, and they interview you about that subject and they write it for you. So essentially, they empty your head and then they turn it into decent content. So for example, uh, let's pick a really easy subject, why you must encrypt your laptop. Now you could probably talk about that for 10 hours. Because you, you, you know, there are all sorts of security things and this, that, and all the other. So you get them to, uh, you get them to interview you about that, and you just talk as if you were talking to a client. And a client said to you, "Tom, why do I need to encrypt my laptop?" You, you just have an answer straight off the top of your head. Five minutes, they get that. They could record it. They could get it transcribed, or they could just take notes. It would be up to them. And then they can write some original content for you. So let's say you've now got an article on your blog, uh, and it's the five reasons you must encrypt your laptop. Um, oh, I was about to say something a bit click spammy then and say, you won't believe number three. <laughs> uh, so don't ignore that bit. Don't do that bit. But the five reasons you, you, and that's not a particularly enticing headline, but you get the idea. You've got a, you've got a piece of content. 
put it on your website. Uh, and this, this is all happening, remember, in one week. We're repeating this on a weekly basis. Okay. And then someone on your behalf goes into MailChimp and write, maybe it's the same writer, writes the email. And the email would say, uh, hi, hi, Paul, one of, the most, one of the simplest ways to protect your data is to encrypt your laptop. Encrypt what, you might say? Yeah, don't worry about the technicalities of it. But basically, you make it so that if you lose your laptop, no one can see the contents of it. It's as simple as that. Uh, we've just written a brand new uh, article explaining it. Remember, you, you know, we've, we've written this for humans and there's no tech speak. Read the article now. And the words read the article now is a hyperlink to that specific article on your website. Okay. As an aside, you never, ever say in an email, click here to read this. Click here is a, has quite a high, uh, I've been told it has quite a high spam score. Um, um, I used to use the phrase click here till a couple of years ago, and then I discovered it, it's a very spammy phrase to use in, in an email. So you'd say, read this article now or something like that. So let's say you've got now 200 people in your database. You send that out. Let's say you get a 20% open rate. That means 40 people have opened that. And let's say you know of those, 20% uh, click through. So you've now got eight people who've gone onto your website. And I know those numbers are not particularly exciting, but you've got to look at it this way. Every week you do this, it's a different eight people. So there'll be one or two people who will constantly open the emails, mm -hmm. but then you'll tend to see a smattering of this person opened two or three weeks worth, clicked through to one, didn't open it for a few weeks, then they did open it, then they clicked through again. You get the idea. So you, you, you're reaching of those 200 people, some you'll never reach, some you'll always reach, and then you have a smattering in between. Gotcha. And of course, that then motivates you to add more people into to your database. Because right. the, the, the bigger your numbers, the more people you reach. It really is as simple as that. You're now, every week, you're writing a new piece of content. You're uh, sending out an email to your list, which is great because that's building your relationship with them. Some of them are ending back on your website, which is great because we never know if today's the day that they're frustrated with their incumbent. The other thing you do is you put it on LinkedIn. Uh, now, LinkedIn really should be, you should be posting daily. Your weekly email should be going out weekly. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, you should be posting daily. So you've got your piece of content is one thing. Uh, for the rest, of the, the rest of the time, just go and find some tech news. You could go on to uh, theverge.com is pretty good for tech news. CNN.com is, is, has a great technology section. You, you just want to avoid the kind of the IT ones. Uh, you don't you don't want IT ones. You want no normal technology sites that normal people would go and look at. And you can just find there's so much tech news every day. It's the easiest world to work in for generating content. It really is. Or you just buy in something like that from something like the Marketing Edge, where we supply uh, fresh fresh social media content every week and every month. But however you do it, you just need one one post a day to go onto LinkedIn. And the reason you do a post a day on LinkedIn is is because. Um, your old content is it disappears. I mean, have you ever tried to go and look at someone's content on link on their LinkedIn profile? It's not even easy to find where their bloody content is. It's so hard. So once it's fallen out of someone's feed, it's gone. Okay. So you're just trying to appear in people's feeds every day. And, and LinkedIn, again, exactly the same as Facebook. The more they look at your stuff, the more of your stuff they see. There's a direct correlation. So you want people to be seeing your stuff again and again and again. Okay. Now, that is nearly everything that needs to happen in a week. So you could use a tool like hootsuite.com so that it becomes a once-a-week job to schedule that. From memory, you can uh, use it for free to schedule on one platform. So if you want it to schedule on, say, Facebook and LinkedIn, you have to have a paid plan. But if you were just using it on LinkedIn, 
um, then I think that's free. So you might want to go and get that tool and then you or, or one of your outsourced assistants somewhere is, is scheduling that content. So Tom, you might sign off the content. They might say to you, this is the content I want to post next week. And you literally read it and go, yep, that's fine. But then they actually go and do the posting for you. So you personally don't have to do it. The one final thing I want to do is, is I want to bring back that direct mail that you were talking about. And we're not going to go into the details of that direct mail. Okay. You told us some time ago, this is, this, is, this has become a very long podcast, but that's okay. You told us some time ago that that direct mail got you clients. Therefore, you're going to start to send that out to more people. And if you can't send the same thing out because you've already sent it to those people, then you just create a, a different version of it. One of the most important things in marketing is if something has worked once, it will work again. Eventually, everything stops working. But if something worked for you and, you know, 2016 to 2020, they're, they're not really that different, even with COVID and stuff. The, the stuff that worked in 2016, 17 and 18 will work in 20 and in 21. So if it worked back then, it will work now. And what you're looking to do is you're looking to, uh, did you do any kind of phone follow-up or was it just send this thing in the post to them? No, I really didn't, um, which I was surprised at. I would send it in the post and... And they, they contacted you. That's amazing. And I, would get, I would get one or two responses and... Out of how many? Out of like about 100. That's pretty standard. A 2% response yeah. rate from direct mail is, is good. Because I, I was going to suggest you sent out 10 a week. The reason for doing 10 a week rather than doing, you know, 100 in one go is, is it becomes rhythmic. Mm. It becomes the thing we do on Monday morning. We, we write the this, we load the this, we do the this, and we send out 10 of, 10 of the direct mails. But then I was going to recommend that you find someone else to do follow-up phone calls for you. Offline stuff works really well because there's not much of it. You know, not many people are getting things in the post these days compared to emails. Right. It's completely the opposite of how it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, it was quite exciting to get an email, uh, but yet we had too much junk mail physically coming through our, our letterboxes, and now it's completely the other way around. So direct mail can work really well, but what you do is when you add in a phone call follow-up, it accelerates it. I mean, dramatically accelerates the results. Okay. Again, it's, this is a great job for a back-to-work mom, working from home, someone who's really loves being on the phone. You probably hate making phone calls, Tom, because I know I do, certainly sales calls. So we, we say to this mom, look, this isn't, a, this isn't a selling job. You're phoning people we've posted something to, and you're just having a chat with them about it. And the desired outcome is to book a 15-minute phone call just to have a chat about their technology with Tom. Okay. And, and, and she, and it is, it is a, this is a positive discrimination thing. It's, it's, <laughs> this is absolutely a, a perfect um, female role. You want someone who's chatty, who loves being on the phone, who's a good people person, don't bother giving her a script or anything like that. Just say to her, look, I, I want you to book these things. Don't you pay her an hourly rate for the work that she does. Don't pay her a success rate. Because if you pay her per appointment booked, she'll book you the wrong appointments with the wrong people <laughs> yeah. for the sake of earning right. money. She really will. Um, you, you pay her, you say to her, look, what, what, do two, three hours a, a week or whatever, and I'll just pay you, what, I don't know, whatever, however many dollars. This is a not quite a minimum wage job. What's the minimum wage in your area? Whatever the national seven seven something. Oh my goodness! Bad, yeah. You can't you, you can't buy no, anything with that. <laughs> I would pay for that twenty five pounds an hour, which which is the equivalent of around about thirty five thirty five dollars, I think. Okay, something like that. Yeah. So so and that that that's good because you've got to look at it. You know, this is flexible work, working from home. It's it's not really work for for someone who likes being on the phone. It doesn't really feel like work. Um, so the the ability to earn. You know, $75 in, in a day for sitting and making some phone calls for a guy. 
that's actually a pretty good way of making a living for some people. Yeah. Uh, and it's flexible around childcare as well, which is, which is really important, which is why you want a back-to-work mom. Again, you may have to kiss a few frogs to find the right person. The one thing you really want to do with that is you want to make sure they're on your VoIP system. So get, get them set up, um, whether that's a, a handset or it's, it's software, mm-hmm. um, you, because you want the recordings for two reasons. One, you just want to quality control them. Just have a little bit of a listen back randomly now and again, see, see what the calls are like, because ultimately they are representing your business and it is the first um, contact that your potential future clients are going to have with your business. Absolutely. So you want to make sure that they're not misrepresenting your business. Not, and I don't mean through misinformation. I just mean being inappropriate in right. any way. Um, but the second reason is when they book the first call, well, any call that, where you're going to sit and, and talk to someone for 15 minutes, you should go back and listen to the call that they had. Okay. Because they, they will have told that the person on the on, on the, the, the prospect will have said things about the business which will just help you. Right. And it's just worth you listening back to that conversation. Now, you don't tell the prospect you've done that, of course, but it's, it's, it's all of this is about building up information, isn't it? Good it's idea, about, yeah. You know, building up a case. All of this is a rhythmic thing and it happens weekly and it happens next week, it happens the week after, and it happens the week after that. And that's it, Tom. That's your entire marketing system. Now, don't get me wrong, there are a billion more things you could do to get you to whatever turnover you need and however many clients you need to have three staff so you can take holidays, that's it. If you can do that brilliantly, so we've got your fundamentals right and then we're just doing a small amount of activity every week, the chances of that generating you a new client every two to three months is pretty high every month. Well, that will depend on the numbers that you put into it. Uh, and maybe then we should have another conversation about list building and, and how you you know you, you build that list. But essentially, it's 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 all about activity. Uh, and if if you know there's maybe I don't know four to five hours plus the phone time. So let's maybe five, six, seven hours of activity a week there. You personally haven't got that time, and that's why you need your your network of people to help you. But that would be a great marketing system. That really would be a great one. And I'm not even anxious looking at it. It doesn't look like it's anything undoable here. So, But if you could get that in place and, and it would take you around, you could do that in three months. You, you know, as you, you can revamp the website, get the LinkedIn done, get MailChimp set up and have that weekly set of activities done. Um, you could have that set up within three months. I really do think you could do that. Absolutely, Tom, we're, we're nearly done. Um, what I want to do is just give you an opportunity to, to ask me some, some specific questions. But what we'll do is we'll, we'll end the podcast there. Um, thank you so much for letting us do that. And, and I know that's going to be so valuable for other MSPs who've been listening to that. Maybe we can get you back on the show um, you know, in, in, a, in a few months' time and, and hear how things went. That'd be great. I'd love it. I appreciate it. Next week on the show, we've got another special for you. In fact, we're doing special episodes right throughout January to give you the best possible start to 2021. Kicking off the next week, where we're going to look at a three-step marketing strategy that I recommend for all MSPs. If you've never heard this before and you can actually go and implement it, it's going to change everything in the way that you generate leads for your business. I'm looking forward to telling you all about that on next week's podcast. See you then. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.